So that was uh, in Florida. My parents treated us to two weeks in Florida in May, this past May. And so this is at uh, Clearwater, Bre- Clearwater Beach in uh, Florida. Uh, the next one. So this is my other job. So that is my boat. Well, it's not really mine. It's the, the fishing lodge that I work for. Hit that boat. That boat's like $250,000, so I wouldn't be able to afford it. <laughs> But uh, that, that's kind of my office in the summertime. Uh, you can go to the next one. There's another picture there, a few clients that I have on board. So I take them out and show them how to fish, and uh, they pay me to do that. So it's a pretty cool job. Uh, next one. And that's what we're after right there, some uh, Chinook salmon. So that one's about 38, 39 pounds. So uh, they do get bigger than that, but that one is still considered a pretty pretty nice size. So there we go. Uh, the next one. So this is an old picture of a traveling group back when I was in college. <laughs> back when I had hair. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, I'm the one holding the keyboard. Yeah. So yeah, we traveled around and uh, it was primarily a vocal ensemble group and then we had like a band so like guitar drums kind of the usual thing and i played keys and piano for for them and toured around so yeah that's going back a while that was like 1995 96 something like that uh next one so here i am in a studio this is uh actually when i would and i'm going to share a bit of how this came to be, but one of the last things I did uh, for training was uh, got a degree in uh, music production and audio engineering. So this is the studio in the school. So this is what we used every day. So it was pretty cool. And then the final one. Do I have a final one? Yeah, there we go. And here at Summit, this is where where I ended up. And uh, so like you said, Gavin said, back in the booth, I think this was like more a few years ago. Yeah. So that's what that is. All right. Thanks. So yeah, today I'm, I'm going to read a, a passage of scripture. I don't have it online uh, up on the screen, but I was just going to read it out loud. You can follow along or listen to me as I read it. It's from Matthew chapter six and it starts at verse 25 and we're going to verse 33. So the promise is actually the last one, verse 33. And so I'll just make a few comments when we get there. And uh, then I'm going to just share some stories on how this is kind of played out. So I'm just going to read it. After I read it, I'll, I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll get right into it. So uh, this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, Or about your body or what you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then this is our promise. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So just read that last uh, verse again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that is uh, the promise. It's been a very meaningful promise for me. Probably one of the toughest promises for me, because one of the areas that is a big struggle for me is in the area of finances and just uh, having enough to kind of make ends meet. Uh, And it's intensified now that I'm married and kids. It's just the bills come in, the mouths consume more and more food every year. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's a lot. So um, just going to open us in prayer and then we'll get into it here. Heavenly Father, I do thank you that you are our provider and that when we put our focus and attention on you, that you will see to it that we are taken care of and taken care of well. I just pray that the stories that I'm about to share from my own life would resonate in the hearts here that hear it, that as I share them, you would speak to them what you would have them to know about you. And so we just pray this in your name. Amen. So just a little bit of context as well. This is uh, one of the sermons that Jesus gave on the mount, and it's basically all about the kingdom of God and kingdom living. That's basically what all of it is about, is this is what the kingdom is like, and here's how you should live. And uh, this is kind of like one of the pinnacle moments in his sermon, is he really tells you the secret to success is right here, is you've got to seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and then everything else plays out, basically, is what he's saying is it's all about focus. It's all about putting your attention where the attention needs to be, which is on God and his kingdom. Nothing else matters. If you look at Jesus's life, he's ministering away, and some people come and say, hey, your mother and, and brothers are out there, and they want to meet you. He's like, well, who are, who's my mother? Who's, who are these? You, you are, are my parents. You are my family. And basically what he was saying, he wasn't trying to dismiss his family, but he's just saying the priority is on the kingdom of God and living his way. So God's purposes and God's life are God's way. That's all that matters and staying focused on that. In some ways that may seem easy, but it actually is very challenging because life happens. And even in the midst of keeping focus, life still happens. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. Things don't look like they're playing out the way you expect. But God promises here that he will take care of you. So he's basically saying, why worry about it? Worry isn't going to add another day to your life. If anything, it's actually going to shorten your life. Studies have shown that worry actually makes you die younger, not live longer. So you want to make sure you kind of keep your worry in check. And I'm speaking to myself because especially this area um, is a big worry for me, always has been. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's just kind of the context that I wanted to bring out of here. And I wrote down here in the word seek that is used here 
is this is uh, what it means. It means ongoing, never ceasing, consistent, never diminishing pursuit for God and his purposes in our life and in the world. So I'll say it again. The word seek means ongoing, never ceasing, consistent, never diminishing pursuit for God and his purposes in our life and in the world. So again, no matter what the circumstance is, your pursuit for God and his kingdom should never diminish. It needs to keep going. And he will, fi- he will give you the strength to do that. And then the final comment here, before we get into the stories, is just the whole phrase, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteousness. Um, the ultimate priority is the pursuit of God, his purposes and the way of life above all else. And when we do this, he provides. So again, the ultimate priority is to pursue God, his purposes, and the way of life above all else. And when we do this, he provides. So again, that is kind of the secret to success. Um, Looking at my own life, um, when I was about five or six I was heard a message on a Sunday morning. Uh, it was actually my father, who's a pastor. He was preaching, and he was preaching on Jesus and just who he is, what he's done, how much he loves and cares for us. And I remember hearing this as a young boy and going, man, I really want to know this person, Jesus. This Jesus sounds so amazing. Not only do I want to know him, I want to be like him. I want to know everything there is. I want to experience everything that there is to experience about Jesus. And then I want to live like that. And so I remember putting my hand up on that Sunday and committing my life to Christ, acting him, coming to my life to lead and direct my life. And um, so that I could know him more and that I could live more and more like him. And so that, yeah, I was like six years old. And uh, that pursuit for God knowing him, living like him, um, has never diminished. If anything, it's, it's increased and intensified as, as I've carried on throughout my life. And um, one of the areas that I've pursued him is in the area of education and training because I felt like God wanted me to know some things, wanted me to experience some things um, that really you could only know or experience through formal training. So I've done a lot of formal training, probably about 14 years worth of formal training. So I could have been a medical doctor, but instead I'm a pastor. (laughs) So yeah. Um, But yeah, just that constant pursuit. And so as an early age, one of one of the things that I told my parents, actually, and they always bug me about this, is I always told them, you know what, Mom and Dad? When I grow up, I'm not going to work. I'm going to fish, and I'm going to become a pastor. So I think that was prophetic, because that's exactly what I do. Uh, I do fish, and I get paid for it, and then I do uh, pastoral ministry, as well as teaching here at the Bible College, uh, serving in churches. I've been on staff uh, with many of our churches, either as a worship pastor or an associate pastor uh, or both, so for many, many years. Um, and so that's just, just w- what, I, what I do, what I'm passionate about is uh, ministry as well as fishing, <laughs> but more, more ministry than fishing. <laughs> but uh, so 
Fast forward, though, to grade 10. I remember at my church, we had a special guest come in who was actually the keyboard player for, um, oh, what's his name now? Uh, can't remember his name now, but anyways, a famous, <laughs> can't remember his name, but a famous uh, musician, and Stevie Wonder, that's it. So he was a keyboard player for Stevie Wonder. For many years, like over a decade, like most of the early Stevie Wonder hits, this, this particular person uh, played keys on the albums as well as toured with him for many, many years. And uh, so this particular performer uh, got saved and felt God tell him that he needed to use like um, that kind of caliber of music, Stevie Wonder, like pro quality music uh, for the gospel. And so what he did is he actually took all the Stevie Wonder songs and uh, kind of reworked them with um, more lyrics that were more evangelistic in nature. That was kind of a thing they did back in the 80s. Don't do that much now, but it was kind of a, the thing to do back then. And so uh, we invited this guy into our, into our church. And I remember our church was a pretty good size, probably about three, 400. But there was probably about 500 people there, mostly young people. And I remember at the end of this concert, he gave an invitation for people to come forward to give their lives to Christ. And um, it was more than half the building went forward. And when I saw that, I was very overwhelmed. And I remember hearing God speak to me that one day he would do that with me. That maybe not in that way, but he would use music and ministry for me to uh, reach people in a very powerful way. And so that was about grade 10. So that's when I started to get really serious about music. Um, I doubled how many lessons I did every week in piano. Um, They were hour-long lessons, a couple of them each week, straight through the summer. Um, I did like five years of music theory, Royal Conservatory Music Theory. I did in about a year and a half. Um, Just crazy. And just got really serious. Uh, and then I felt God impressed on me that I needed to go to Bible college. And specifically a Bible college that had a music ministry program. So I started looking around. Back in those days, there weren't really many. Um, but I found one. And it was in the United States. And um, it was an Assemblies of God school, which is similar to us here at Pentecostal Assemblies. Very similar. And um, my parents were on that tour, and, and I told them that this is the place I need to go or I want to go. And so the, the challenge with that was it was very expensive, especially with the Canadian dollar being about half of what the U.S. dollar was, plus tuition at a private college is very expensive. And uh, so my parents said, okay, but they were very stressed because they had no idea how we were going to pay for this. No idea. And so, just to move it along, this story, um, I graduated with zero debt. Um, it came from, from many sources. Um, my mom, who's known to pray and ask God for answers for things, and usually God gives her answers. One of the answers was, just get some students yourself into your, into your house. And have them pay room and board. So they had a couple students come in, pay room and board while I was off in in, uh, the United States. They were in my home, and they were collecting room and board. So between that, between me working every summer, between scholarships that I received, uh, we were able to 
pay for. And the very final semester was like, we were about $10,000 shy. And we're like, I don't know where we're going to find this money. And you know, it's weird how God works. Uh, My mom got in a car accident. Someone rear-ended her. She was fine, more or less. She had to go to uh, get, you know, chiropractor and physio and all that. But she's fine today. But anyway, she ended up getting to the penny. And it was literally to the penny, the $10,000 to pay for the tuition. So some oddball thing like a car accident. And here we are, debt-free, paid off in the books. So... Amazing provision. A um, few years later, I, I went into ministry. I was part-time in one of our churches as, as, as a um, worship pastor. And I just felt that God wasn't quite done yet with my education. So I pursued a master's degree. So I started looking around for a master's degree. And I found one that was more local. But it was also very expensive, even more expensive than my <laughs> bachelor's degree. And at that time, my parents were like, we're done. You're on your own for this one. So I was like, okay, I just really feel like God wants me to go to this school. And there's things there that I'm supposed to learn to help me grow and develop and be who God wants me to be for uh, current ministry as well as future ministry. So I signed up. I was able to pay for the first semester. And then I went off summer. So that was spring. And then summer, I went off fishing. Um, fish guiding, like you saw up there. And I came back and I signed up for like one course. And um, at that time you were allowed to do, I think it was up to one or two courses and still collect employment insurance. So that's what I was going to do and collect employment insurance. So I could at least take a couple courses and do that. Um, But they had this new thing where you couldn't just collect employment insurance. You had to go to like an employment counselor and you had to set up this whole roadmap of how you're going to get back into the workforce. So I did that. And as soon as I mentioned to the the lady who actually happened to be like the head of this thing, and normally she's not there, but that day she happened to be there. And so this knowledge she had of this grant Only she would have known, and lo and behold, the person I was supposed to be with was sick, so I was with this lady, and she says, do you know that the government has literally like $2 billion that they're putting into retraining anyone in the fishing industry, because they're wanting to shut down fishing in BC? I was like, well, it's bad about the fishing, but great for me. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's pursue this. So long story short, I qualified. And the government paid the entire tuition, all the books, all the living expenses for two full years. So my entire, other than the first semester I paid for, the rest was all paid by a government grant. The entire program. Living, everything. Like, absolutely amazing. Like, like you can't make this stuff up. Like, we're talking like tens of thousands of dollars here. Like, many tens of thousands of dollars. Paid by the government. Uh, for this thing. And the, and the thing that was so amazing is the year I graduated with my master's degree, they shut that retraining program down. It was only in existence while I was actually in it. So just, just the miracle of God uh, working. And 
then fast forward, I did go on to my doctorate. That one, not as amazing of a story for fulfillment uh, in terms of miracle dollars or whatever. But I did end up paying for that myself through, I was working at a Bible college at the time. Uh, I was working on staff at a church. And then I did shorter season uh, fishing. So between all that, I was able to uh, fund my, my doctorate degree. But the final thing was, which seems weird for most people, is like, oh, well, you have a doctor. Why are you going back to school? But I just felt like there was this one area that um, God wasn't finished with me yet in terms of uh, training. So I found this school in music production, audio engineering, um, working with, like, music studios, live venues, um, music software, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know how many here have ever looked to see what that costs, but it's, it's a lot of money, uh, lots of money. And I thought, well, let's see if the government, I can hit up the government here. So there was another program not related to the other one I had. So it looked like it was good that, um, they probably wouldn't have paid for all of it, but a majority of it. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. God's providing again. And literally like, Two days before class is supposed to begin, I get a notification that there was some sort of a hiccup or something and that all that funding wasn't, wasn't going to happen. And I'm like, okay, there's no way I can afford this. Um, I'm going to have to drop out of the program. But I felt like God was like, this is what I need to do. Everyone else is like, well, I'll just drop it. Like, why do you even need that? Like, you're teaching at a college and you're doing this and that. I'm like, I just sense that this is what God wants me to do. And so I called up, and they put me on with the owner of this school. And uh, he's not a Christian. And uh, I was like, hey, yeah, I, I'm going to have to drop out. My, my funds aren't there. I can't afford to do it. And it was really strange because he wasn't a Christian, but he says, you know, I, I've never really done this before, but I just really feel for some reason that you need to be in this program. So he's like, how much can you pay? And so I gave him a dollar amount, and it was, like, way less than half price, like, way less, maybe, like, 30% of what it would be. And he says, okay, don't worry about the rest. Just show up on Monday. And so he foot the bill. The owner of this place paid for my education for that. Like, absolutely amazing uh, when you look at that. And, and so, you know, like, this is kind of a common theme that is in my in my life, in the area of finances. But yet, it's so strange because the area that I worry about the most is finances. Because the path I've chosen isn't a well-funded path. Um, church, ministry, those sorts of things, especially worship pastors, especially in the era that I was doing it, is you were lucky to get anything, uh, let alone uh, part-time salary. Things are much, much better now. Uh, which is great. Like a lot of our grads in our program, I, I have churches desperate and asking even before they're graduated, hey, man, you got someone? We need someone now. So it's changed a lot now from, from when I was going through this. Um, there really wasn't many jobs unless you wanted to go to the States. And if you were lucky, you get hired on in a big mega church somewhere. That was pretty much the only way you would be able to like get a decent living doing what I felt called to do, which is music, music ministry. And so, um, yeah, it's just been very, very stressful 
because I know I pursued all this, like I said, so much so that I didn't even date really. Like I was so focused on getting this training, so focused to get kind of settled into ministry. Um, and I had people saying, well, why don't you just be a pastor? Why don't you just go take on this church somewhere or whatever? And, you know, it won't be an amazing salary, but it'd definitely be more than what you're getting now. And I'm like, well, that's not what God's called me to do. That's, that's not what he's put on my heart. That is not me. Sure, I got the skills I can do it. I got the training I can do it. I have been associate pastor for a season, and I did really well. And I've had offers by churches, even very big churches, for me to come on as pastoral staff. But that's not what I've been called to do. Uh, I'm called to music ministry. And even that I'm still fleshing out. Like my time here, I think, is for this moment. And I think it's going to be for quite some time yet that this is part of what he's set me up for with all this training uh, is to be able to pour into the lives of students here in that in that way. But um, it's just been very stressful. And um, even with all those miracles, it's sure, yeah, it, it paid for my tuition. But now what? Like, yeah, I don't have any debt for my education, but I still got to get food, clothing. I got three boys, a wife. How am I going to pay for all of that? And so it's, it's still a very living reality. And the last few years has been very challenging. My wife actually um, completed her master's degree about a year and a half ago. And it was quite miraculous there because the school's like, we really want you to graduate. We want your caliber to be a graduate of our program. So we'll give you half price on the rest of your, your courses. So that was great, but still their courses were very expensive. So half price was still a lot of money and we did it faithfully and it required going to California a couple of times, which is expensive being down there for a couple of weeks. And so we had, you know, we had the, to figure out how we were going to pay for her training and kids and all that. And it just got really reached ahead probably about a year. Yeah. About a year ago, year and a half ago, like we were honestly thinking, are, are we even going to be able to continue doing what we're doing her and her job, mine here, or are we going to have to like look for something else? Because it, it got really, really dire there. And I just felt God say, no, you guys are where you're supposed to be. And so how serious are you about your calling and your ministry? And I'm like, well, isn't it obvious? Like, look what I've done. And it's like, no, how serious are you about this? And I felt pressed to fast and pray once, once a week, whole day, once a week, until I got an answer or a breakthrough. So that's what I did. I did an entire year of fasting and praying, and it seemed like very little, very little happening. And, um, but I'm like, I just trust, trust you, God. And so I went away this summer fishing again, and we were probably in our worst state financially. Um, when I went away this summer, like really not knowing what, what was coming next. And it was just so amazing. What happened is the very first trip of the year is there's a tournament. It's called the Haida Gwaii tournament. And it's like one of the most highest winnings of this tournament on the entire West coast. It's like a lot of money and very difficult to get into this tournament as a guide because usually the clients there have been in this tournament for years and years and years, and they already have their guides for years and years and years. They're not about to like 
just get a new guide. They, they like theirs because they probably have won the tournament a few times with that guide. So anyways, it just turned out that one of those guides was unable to make it this year. And so I was able to go into this tournament with uh, one lady. So I just had one client in this tournament. And um, we, were, we just started fishing the first day. And she's like, so... Um, what do other people do here? If, 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 if I was to win this, what, what do other clients do for their guides? And so I gave some scenarios like, you know, 15%, whatever, you know, cause really it's you, it's your fish, it's your tournament. It's not mine. Um, so whatever, whatever you want to do. she says, well, here's what I want to do. I think it's only fair that, uh, if we win, you get 50%. I was like, Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. And, uh, and she said, but, you know, don't feel any pressure. I've been in this tournament for many years and I've never won anything. So the likelihood is, is very slim. But if it happens, I'll give you 50%. So I was like, okay. And then it's only a three-day tournament. Second day, we get a fish on that is quite large for, for the tournament. And, uh, it turned out to be in second place and, um, but there's still another whole day to go. So we're, we're doing, we're waiting, see what would happen. And wouldn't you know it, it ended up being the second place, uh, fish. And with this tournament, there's big payouts for first, second, third, and fourth. And so second place was a lot of money. And she gave me 50% of the winnings, which was, Enough to pay the debt that we were so worried and concerned about. It paid off education. It paid off a couple other expenses we had with car and all that that uh, was unforeseen. And amazing. Like, we're talking lots of money. And was able to do that. And it set us up for our best year financially ever since we've been married this this year. Like, this just happened, like, in June. And... Um, it's just amazing how God works these things out. Is here we are worrying and fretting, wondering, you know, are we where we should be? And God's like, yeah, you are. Just trust me. Your sight is on these things and not on me and my kingdom. Just keep going. Keep focusing your attention on me. Keep focusing your attention on what I've called you to do. And let me worry about where your money is going to come from, where your food's going to come from, where your clothing's going to come from. Don't worry about those things. I will take care of those if you take care of this one thing is to seek first my kingdom and righteousness. I'll take care of the rest. And so just to wrap up, um, I don't know how, what God is, is saying through these stories. I kept it very intentional just to tell the stories. And allow God to speak to you. Because the thing about telling stories is it may resonate differently for different people when you tell a story. Rather than point one is this. Point two is this. Is I, I really believe and have prayed that God is speaking to you through those stories in, a, in, in some way. In a very unique, special way for your life. Because this is my testimony. Um, and how he's worked this promise in my life and continues to do that. Um, just a couple takeaways as I was looking at these that I thought of um, through this is one, when you, when you do seek God's kingdom, that um, sometimes it's unpopular. <laughs> that 
sometimes what he tells you to do isn't what the status quo or even your friends or family think you should be doing. Um, but don't let that distract you. Uh, Jesus, we're in good company. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, even his disciples couldn't keep their eyes open, right? They're sleeping and he's there. God, not my will, but yours be done. Take this burden from me, but again, not my will, yours be done. It's sometimes it's unpopular, but you don't worry about that. Just stay focused on God and um, seeking first his kingdom and living that way. Uh, another takeaway that I got from this is God will provide, but it may not look the way you think it's going to look. He's going to provide maybe in some very oddball ways. The money's going to come from very weird sources sometimes. So maybe the way you have things mapped out is a high-paying job, but yet he's got other things. Maybe the job's not high-paying, but you're going to have these oddball, random things of money come in, like I did. Is There's more than one way for God to provide, and it's probably not going to be the most obvious way. It's going to be kind of oddball. And I think it's intentional because he really wants to see how much you trust, how much you are, are willing to uh, stick with it. Um, he could easily get you a good high-paying job or whatever, but sometimes he doesn't want you to have it because then you're not relying on him. You're relying on your paycheck. Um, and that, I think that's the thing that's really spoken to me is I think my, my way is there's so many things that I've been pretty good at. Uh, a lot of things come quite easily for me. Um, but money I can't manufacture. <laughs> and so he keeps hitting me with that one because that is something I cannot control. It doesn't matter what my abilities are. Uh, money comes from various ways, and I can't control it. So I have to rely on him on that one, that he will see through and, and um, provide for me. So that was another takeaway uh, just from, from these stories that I got is... Um, Yeah, he will provide, but it may not look the way you think it's going to look. So we're out of time, and so I'm just going to close, and then I'll hand it off to you if you want to say anything or just dismiss. Okay, so let's close. And I I really do hope that something I said here is resonating. God is speaking to you. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you do definitely provide, and sometimes those ways are very unusual, but yet you provide nonetheless. And Lord, I just ask that uh, something here that was said would quicken to each and every heart as you are speaking to them. Maybe it's to encourage them not to give up, to spur them on, to uh, keep their focus on you and what you've called them even here at this college to, to do, that they won't give up, but they'll pursue even when people are telling them maybe they shouldn't or the finances seem to be drying up, is if they seek you first you will provide. And so we just pray that you would uh, go with us now and that the things that you're quickening to our hearts would become a reality in our lives, that we wouldn't just ponder them for a moment, but that they would really take hold in our lives and be a life principle for us to live. And so we just pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks.